0: Welcome to episode 110. Today's guest is Atlanta United TV play-by-play commentator, Kevin Egan. Kevin, thank you for joining me on the show. How are you doing today? Little, what a pleasure to be on. Thanks for having me. I'm great, thanks. And you? You're welcome. I'm looking forward to talking with you today. My first question for you, how did you turn your love from soccer into sports commentating, and how did you get into that side of the industry?
1: You know, I'd always looked at presenters on television and wondered, how did they get the best job in the world? They could talk about this and get paid and go to these events or have these former players, these legends in studio to chat with. And it was always a pipe dream. I never really thought I could have a chance to do it and earn some money from doing it. But I was playing at a really high level, playing Gaelic football in Ireland, and I tore my ACL, my anterior cruciate ligament, when I was, uh, I believe I just turned 19, and I was in my first year of college And the doctor, the surgeon at the time, said, you're going to be out for a year, so don't even think about playing for another year. And I remember that feeling, and I cried. I cried because I was devastated that I couldn't kick a ball again for a year. It was going to take a a long road to get me back to where I wanted to be. But at the same time, I remember thinking, how can I use this time to my benefit? Let's turn a negative into a positive. And I said to myself, I I was a freshman in college, I said, let's get in. Let's get into a network now. Let's work and then, when I finish this course, I'll be in a far, a far better position than my colleagues, you know, my, my classmates. And what I did was, I went to different TV shows and I sat in the audience. So I'd apply and I'd apply again, I'd apply again. I'd ring the place up and they'd say, okay, you, you've got a spot on a political show. And at the time, it was a political show called Questions and Answers. And I wasn't really following politics. I was 19. I, I mean, I was to a certain extent, but I certainly wasn't getting involved with the um like the pundits that were up and the politicians that were up on set there was a lot of people asking questions from the audience but i stayed out of it i was there to see how the show was run i was there to try and chat to people afterward and i got chatting with the stage manager a fellow by the name of johnny and i said to him could i please have in ireland they call it a running order in the us here we call it a rundown and i said i'm in college i'm studying broadcasting and journalism, could I please have one? And he said, sure, I don't care, no problem. And he gave it to me, and on the running order was the telephone number for the director, the producer, the production staff, and I couldn't believe my luck. So I called them all separately on different days and just asked for a contact or any information on how I could potentially get in the door. And I ended up calling the same guy twice, believe it or not. And he was really nice, but he said to me, look, you've called me already, but I will say, since we spoke last, I know of an agency now that are hiring for production runners, making tea and coffee, you know, photocopying, running orders for people, essentially running around, doing whatever needed to be done. So I, I called them, I, I got in touch, I got an interview, and I got a job, like I say, making tea and coffee for the Olympics in 2004. And that was my, honestly, my intro into the industry, and I fell in love from there. And I know you've been in at CNN Luke and and you probably get that same buzz when you see a studio and you see the light go on or you see a control room where you know manic nature of a control room in front of your very eyes yet it's infectious for a lot of people and some people just wouldn't like it wouldn't like the pressure but I absolutely love it and, and back then it really did grab me and it told me that this was the industry that I needed to be in and Ever since then, I've, I've, I've taken a lot of chances in moving to the U.S. and moving within the U.S., but I've been fortunate enough to meet so many brilliant people along the way and hopefully learn and continue to get better.
0: Well, how did you then go from being a runner in that to going to be a soccer commentator for Atlanta United, one of the premier or the premier franchise in the MLS?
1: So I was in Chicago. I moved to Chicago the day Barack Obama was inaugurated, January 20th, 2009, and it took me about seven or eight months to get in. Get into TV in Chicago. It was August when I got in at the Big Ten Network. And I somehow got in. I still don't know how they let me do the job I did because I didn't know anything about college football. And yet I was the graphics producer on college football Saturdays when you'd have 12 non-conference games. And I didn't even know what a TFL was. I mean, I was... I was struggling in a major way for my first few days and I had to figure it out quickly. So anyway, long story short, I, I was pushing from within the Big Ten Network to just get better at my day-to-day job there, but also seek out any opportunity to broadcast for free behind the scenes. And the person that was hiring for commentators at the time, you know, I kept going to him with demo reels and I'd work on it and I'd go back to him with more and he said to me eventually, after teasing me along for a long time, which I, I still to this day can't stand, he said to me eventually that he wouldn't put an Irish accent on the air. He just wanted an American voice. And I said, okay. I said, well, like that's the most honesty you've been with me, which, which was fine. So I, I went home again. I, I'm telling you I've cried twice in this podcast. But I went home that night and I was devastated. And my now wife, who was my girlfriend at the time, said to me, you know, and she's soft-spoken and quiet, but she said, you know, are you are going to go around them? Are you going to go through them? Or are you going to let them win? Like, what's it going to be? And I'll never forget that. And I just thought, okay, I cannot let this one person dictate the path for me. That is not fair. And it's, I'm better than that. And so I ended up uh, going to my studio boss who didn't have to work with this other guy. And I said, he won't put me on the air because of my accent. I'm okay with that. But is there any chance you'd be willing to give me an opportunity to present and produce a digital show in studio if the camera crew and the director are all on my side I'm not going to obviously want any money and I'll do it before my work hours so you, I won't get in the way and he looked at me and he smiled and he said Dubs, just don't get in the way, go for it and that was such a, a blessing, I And mean, I'll never forget Quinton Carter was his name at Big Ten Network that gave me that chance and he just said go for it, he didn't mind and the reality is then it turned into a weekly show it turned into then making it on air during halftime of soccer games. And then it turned into the Chicago Fire offering me an audition for a sideline reporter role. And I went to do the sideline reporter role and I ended up becoming the match analyst alongside the play-by-play guy for three years. And uh, long story short again, I got an offer to go to in Sports to um, in Miami. And when I was at in Sports, I, I got my own show, nightly show called The Extra highlights, analysis, a lot of fun, and on the show one night, I had guests, these guys that were down in Miami, promoting a brand new Major League Soccer franchise, and their names, Darren Eels and Carlos Bocanegra, so they were guests on the show, and I got chatting with them, and uh, we got along great, the show went well, and afterward, they contacted me a few weeks later, and said, would you be interested in doing play-by-play for the first five games, we have a commentator, his name is Alan Green, but he's going to be away covering the Champions League for the first five games so we need a fill-in would you be up for it? and I love MLS I love promoting and working in local soccer so I jumped at the chance and I'll be honest I was devastated when the five games ended because I just loved every second of it but then toward the end of the season Atlanta United said to me would you be willing and would you be interested in being the, the main guy next year? so yeah, that's the story
0: My next question for you, take us inside the preparation as a play-by-play guy. What does it look like? What do you do behind the scenes that fans don't see? Yeah, so
1: I think, let's see, let's go back and start at the beginning of the week. So I'll always watch the match back again, and I'll take as many notes as I can from the previous game. I'll go to training. I'll figure out what the updates are on injuries, on, um, you know, on, on maybe something that happened in the last game that's affecting Frank and the team for, for, the, for the next game um, it, it's a lot of that, it's a lot of talking to people, I, you know, from covering Major League Soccer and travelling the country and up in Canada too, you meet so many great people that become friends uh, you know, Olivier Brett up in Montreal, I was texting with him today he works, he was working with RDS he was hosting Champions League coverage up in Canada and he's become a great friend and he and I talk all the time about the game and I, I feel like I know Montreal impact inside out because I talk to Olivier and I talk to Brian Dunsett in Salt Lake City and I talk to Tommy Smith and JP Camera in Philadelphia or whoever else it may be around the league. Tommy Tommy G, we call him, in Cincinnati is a great guy. And you develop those and cultivate those relationships over time that are wonderful and it also helps in game prep because you can help them with Atlanta United, they can help you. But aside from that, it's, it's a lot of watching video for me because here's what. I think is so important. It's not about me. It's about Dan Gargan, and it's about getting the best out of him, and it's about the game. And it's it's a lot about staying out of the way, quite honestly. And you could have a boatload of stats ready to go, but you've got to make sure they suit the current scenario in the game. And, and you can't just drop in statistics for the sake of it, when the reality is they don't really fit the narrative of the game at that point. So I try and always gauge where we're at in the game. The beauty of television, as opposed to radio is, radio you've always got to speak. You can't really take a second to think, but whereas in television you can. However, with with radio, you could be lying to, to the public. You could get names wrong and people wouldn't even know. Whereas with TV, if, if you're watching and you see a commentator, you know, call someone and they say Joseph Martinez and you're thinking, that's not Joseph Martinez. That's Mateo Toceto, you know, or something. And you're, you're mixing it up completely you're going to get called out on that. So you've got to be spot on. You've got to make sure that you you take that extra second to breathe and make sure what you're about to say is accurate and then show some conviction with it. And I think the hardest thing to do in play-by-play at times is the goal call. Because the goal call is the one that's most scrutinized because of the way, say, Major League Soccer would edit their highlights. They'd roll them out on Twitter or on Facebook or Instagram. And everybody hears and watches the goal, and they hear the goal call. So you've got to simplify it sometimes. You don't want to make it about you. It's about the goal. It's about the player. It's about the moment. It's about the fans. It's about the stadium. And you've got to make sure that you don't get in the way. And sometimes that's a difficult thing to do.
0: Well, speaking of the goal call, is there a favorite play that you've called overall? Is there anything that comes to your mind? I think,
1: quite honestly, the one I'll say is Joseph Martinez's goal against Columbus Crew in 2018 at Mercedes-Benz Stadium. It was a 3-1 win. It was the first goal of the game for Atlanta United. The reason I'm picking this one is Joseph was on 26 goals going into the game. The major league soccer record was 27 held by bradley roy phillips roy Lasseter, and chris Wondolowski. he could with a goal he'd equal those three with two goals he'd break the record so in my preparation in advance i'm thinking and and i've started in time you know i've started thinking more and more about goal calls and not scripting them but thinking more about them because you can't just you can't just do it on the spot and maybe you do sometimes and it works But sometimes you get stuck and you you want to have some sort of preparation on your mind as to if this happens, roughly what's a good thing to say. You don't have to script it, but have an idea. And Joseph takes the ball off Julian Gressel just inside the opposition half. He runs at Lalas Abubakar, takes it onto his left foot. And I'll give you a bit of background on it. I had a line written down for Joseph. If he scores, this is the line I was going to use. It's the only time I've ever done that in play by play it's the only time because I hate the idea of scripting a goal call but I thought you know what this is so important I don't want to mess this up I want to nail it I'll write down a goal call and it was something about Joseph Martinez standing on a stage of his own and um, the, the, that probably would have been the one actually if he would have broken it but I had something written down anyway and he scores a goal from the outside the box with his left foot not his right his left bends it around the defender the most beautiful goal uh, Zach Steffen couldn't get to it. And my goal call script was just thrown out the window. I completely forgot about it. I got lost in the moment. But I said, I believe I said, um, you know, Martinez. I said, 27-goal record. The Venezuelan has it. And I was so proud of that afterwards because it was so simple. It hit the nail on the head. And then I got out of the way. It, and my energy, was, I thought, was, was, was fitting of the moment. And then I got out of the way and let the 17s take over. Let the fans have that, have their say then. Let Joseph Celebration do a lot of the talking. And just get out of the way. And for that reason, I was probably most proud of that one.
0: So one thing that I've read and heard that you've been covering is e-league events. Are you a big so video man. game guy?
1: I, I am, I am. Like it, I don't really play, if I'm honest. Um, but I'm a huge fan of... I'm a fan of the industry, I'm a fan of, and I'm excited about where it's going. And I got asked to do an event at Turner Sports in 2018. And I was shocked I got asked to do it, but I went in and I you know, studied and made sure I was ready to go, but it was still such a new experience for me. And next thing I'm hosting in studio, and commentating on people playing video games. And then I got asked to do EMLS in 2019, three events, Los Angeles, Dallas, and Boston. And then I got asked back for this year, and it's it's a you know a live audience of about 500 people. You've got you know the best in the business up on stage, gaming it out against each other, and I'm on stage with people who were who have personalities. And again, it's my job as host to get the best out of them and also be excitable in the commentary. And one of the biggest challenges for me with with video game play by play and casting is that you're calling throughout the night. You could be calling 100 goals, and each goal, you know draws say a nine or an eight out of ten out of you so by the end of the night you have a splitting headache and you're absolutely exhausted (laughs) but it's but it's fun you know emls was a lot of fun and then i got asked to do e-league at turner sports which is so much fun and it, it brought me to paris in february uh covering an event there so it's something i'm i'm along for the ride i'm learning an awful lot um should have some news uh next week as of a new show that we'll be doing from our own homes um for emls between you and i on the pod and uh yeah it's it's i'm along for the ride i would never turn my back or nose up on anything in the industry because i love to hear what it's all about and dive in if it's a good project and certainly with esports i mean there's no question about the rise of esports and where it's going it's only getting bigger and bigger so it's fun to be a part of it
0: right i was gonna ask you What's the biggest difference between an eMLS game or an E-League game compared to a normal game? What's the biggest difference from your perspective?
1: Um, I mean, there's there's the chances are far more frequent in esports. So you could have a chance one end, next thing 15 seconds later, you have a big chance or a goal at the other end. In theory, that could happen in the game of soccer, but it doesn't really. Um, you're calling a more methodical game. When you're alongside Dan Gargan in the booth doing United. whereas in esports you can you can afford to have a bit more fun with it. I get it. There's pressure. I get it. There's 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 prize money and there's an awful lot in the line for these guys that are professionals, but you can still have a lot more fun with it. Um, and you 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 call the game differently because, sure, I'm saying Joseph Martinez. I'm saying the names of the players, but I'm also talking an awful lot about the guy in control of those players, and I'm getting what I can out of the analyst about his skill set. And why he chooses certain players, why R9, the, the original Ronaldo from Brazil, is so effective, and Rude Hullet as icons. And, you know, in EMLS, why you use a guy like Joseph, or why you use Vancouver's Ali Adnan. You know, there's, there's so many areas of discussion. And I just, I just think it's so much fun. I, I, I was saying to my wife recently, I feel so fortunate because in, in my jobs right now with E League or EMLS, it's just I, I love every second of it. so much fun. CNN is obviously a lot more serious when you're on air, but it's still that professional environment that I absolutely crave and I thrive in. And then there's Atlanta United where you're just live and you're in the moment, and you're at a stadium with fans, and that adrenaline just keeps you going throughout. So I, I'm very fortunate with the jobs I have right
0: now. Well, my final question for you, Kevin, what tips would you give to students and young play-by-play commentators trying to land a role calling professional soccer?
1: I would say research is more than just game notes. Research is um, talking to people. Research is creating your own network. And that may be calling calling other play-by-play people just to chat. You don't always have to talk about work, but create relationships with people get in the door, be willing to make that tea and coffee, you know, at the, at the very bottom if you need to. Because here's the thing, Luke, you make tea and coffee, you're walking into a control room, you're walking into a director's office, you're walking into a talent's office, you, you're meeting everybody, and then all of a sudden they get to know you. You don't have that access if you're you know, a production assistant. You don't, you don't, you don't really have that access. So it, it, being a, a production runner or working at the very bottom You people turn their nose up at this stuff, which is so hard to believe. People want to walk in as on air. You've got to you've got to work behind the scenes because here's why: you garner a greater appreciation for what goes on behind the scenes. And when you've got a fire in your control room, when you've got stuff hitting the fan all the time, and you're on air and in your ear, you can hear that stuff is going on. But you're you're hosting the show or you're calling the game. And you know that you're supposed to lead to something, but because you've been in this position before behind the scenes, you know that the graphic guy doesn't have the, the graphic ready or the machinist is crashed. So you find different ways to navigate that fire better. You know, you know where I'm going with this? So it's it's just being on air is you're limiting yourself so much. Whereas if you've worked in different areas of television, you've got a much greater head start on everyone else because you understand the overall landscape and picture of television. You understand how it's produced. You understand what can go wrong. And this is what happens to a lot of people that wanna just go straight into to on air is they don't have that appreciation for what everyone else does behind the scenes and the hours they put in and they don't really understand what they do. So when stuff goes wrong, you, you create divas that way. You create people that, that want to give out to someone for not doing their job properly when they don't know what they're talking about you know Um, so that's one piece of advice is always understand what everyone does try and work behind the scenes if you can and earn your stripes that way while also continuing to practice and then with play by play if you want to stick to just soccer for example my Advice is to consume as much of the game as you possibly can, and it doesn't mean sitting in front of your couch for ten hours a day over the weekend. But try and watch a game each day, a game on Saturday, a game on Sunday. Listen to the play-by-play guys, but also maybe mute the TV for a while and practice yourself, and and realize certain moments are maybe a six out of ten in your in your call, certain moments are a nine out of ten, and it's it's figuring out how do I find that balance, how do I find that ability to sing through a broadcast and predict nearly what's going to happen next. And that only comes from investing in the game. Uh, Do your coaching badges. I firmly believe that. I I did the the E and the F when I was in Chicago, and it just introduces you to to coaching, but it's really valuable because you just have a greater appreciation for the game, and you see things differently then. Um, So consume the game, watch it, study it, learn it, You know, um, write down different phrases and practice and, and just keep being the best possible human being you can be because when you meet people, they'll like you, they'll want to help you and then you'll grow naturally
0: Kevin, that's all the questions I had for you, thank you so much for your time
1: Great stuff Luke, continued success with the podcast and everything and if I can ever be of help, please just let me know